Hi everyone, welcome to this live stream. Um, as you probably read in the description, um, by the time you watch this, as I link this up to one of the some of the Facebook group pages, uh, by the time you watch this, um, I will. Um, well, um, it's about uh, 4:36 p.m. Almost time for the All-Star game, but. Um, I wanted to do this as quickly as I can, or as best as I can, and like I said in the description, um, basically there's a lot of uh, reasonings as to why this might be, you know, you know, a decent live stream, but you know, a lot of stuff, a lot of factors may come into play, if you know what I mean. So I just want to let you, I just want to let you guys know that right now. Um... I just want to let you guys know that right now that some things may um you know come into play a uh down the line if you know what I mean but yeah as I uh link this up to uh the various Facebook group pages here and that's going to be our main uh picture that you're going to look at doing this yeah we're going to talk about some uh, it's, you know just talk about some sonic stuff and all that just you know little discussion live stream if you know what I mean I mean I know a lot of people are preparing for the for the all-star game and you know as well as preparing for the uh, season slash series finale for, uh, of Loki so I, I can understand you know that you know, a lot of people are, you know, waiting for those moments, um, if you will. But uh, I want to, like I said, just take this time today and do this little live stream as best I can. And as it says in the description, there might be some interruptions, you know, like, you know, the internet might conk out or something, um, if you will. You know, it might conk out, like, right now it's even saying, hey, uh, YouTube is not receiving enough uh, video to maintain smooth streaming so yeah it's one of those situations but I think it'll straighten itself out I think it'll uh, straighten itself out um, over time again I think it's mainly the because um, it says it's good here so it just might be the fact that it's um, delayed right now um, but anyway, yeah, I just wanted to come on here and do a little talk, you know, do some talking about, uh, you know, mainly about the, um, about the Sonic, about some Sonic and all that, just, you know, get out of the way, but like I said, uh, there will be probably some interruptions, not just like the internet and all that, but, you know, interruptions like, you know, my mom might, might call me and all that and say, hey, I need this, I need your help with this and that, and, you know, it's uh, it's just one of those situations. Or she might talk to me from behind the door, like, hey, you know, you know, just talk about stuff. Like yesterday when I was doing my um, when I was doing my package opening video, she <laughs> about five minutes in started talking. I just let it, I just let it go. I was like, okay, you know, I can't help that. You know, she's just, oops. She's just gonna um, let me fix that there. You know, she's just going to do what she wants to do because, you know, she's, she, I'll put it this way, she's learning, 
but she still hasn't like grasped a lot of the you know technology um if you will like you know hasn't grasped the idea of oh people do live streams or you know and i can't interrupt them if they're doing that or they're doing a recording and i can't you know interrupt them if the if they're doing that and you know it, it's understandable i mean you know not a lot of people kind of grasp you know what's you know what's going on and you know it's perfectly fine you know you you know you you learn every day is basically what it is you learn every day and um you know you just you know you just go with the flow um if you will um <laughs> you know this explains basically why at times i would like that one video live stream i did i i think it was the live stream with the waifus and all that that the, the tier maker the tier list that i was doing with the with the waifus for um what was it uh it was uh, it was it was something it was one of my tier makers i don't know if it was the mlp one or if it was uh Oh, no, no, it was the Sonic Girls waifu one I did. And I ended up yelling a little bit because, you know, it's like, okay, you know, it's like, what does she want? And, um, you know, just one of those situations. So, like I say, you just gotta, excuse me, you just gotta work around it. You can't, you know, you can't, um, you know, you can't uh, basically... You know, you can't basically throw it off, if you know what I mean. You just got to work around it. And, um, you know, so you you just got to, like I say, you just got to work with it. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to come on here and do some Sonic discussions and all that. Just talk about stuff, you know, as best I can. Because right now my mom's watching a movie, so that kind of helps out a little bit. <laughs> And then she's going to probably watch the All-Star game and just make some food later. You know, she's going to make some food later and all that, so... some places so there we go we're gonna just check the thing it still says it's a little low I don't know why but <laughs> hopefully it's okay that's uh Let's check the thing. Yeah, it's on there. Apparently. <laughs> so, like... Let me check something. Hold on. But yeah, I just wanted to say, like I said in the description, just wanted to 
you know, talk some Sonic stuff today, um, if you will. If you don't mind, as I uh, double check here. Yeah, I just wanted to just do some Sonic discussion and all that. And, uh, of course, one of the first things I want to talk about um, is, as you may have noticed, uh, basically, one of the more recent videos I did, uh, that was, it was actually a live stream that I did, um, where I showed you what my photo bucket page uh, looked like. The, and I've had that for... As I drink some, as I drink some Pepsi there. Um, you know, I've had that uh, photo bucket page for literally... Um, at the end of next month, literally about 16 years. And I started that photo bucket page back when I lived in Kansas, and a majority of that has a lot of Sonic on there. And one of the uh, things you saw on there, of course, and I'll, um, if you will, one of the things you guys saw was uh, the fact that, as I bring it up again, the best I get best I can, and I do apologize for any stream interruptions or any interruptions, period. Um, as you can see, this is when I last uploaded to it. This is the last day. Almost um, seven years ago. Uh, actually, eight, almost eight years ago uh, in three days. Um, but basically, this is just a lot of the stuff I had. It just... It was basically a secondary area f along with uh, DeviantArt that allowed me to post a lot of stuff. But also as far as videos were concerned, it was a, a place for me to upload videos because um, at that time, well you don't see the videos here, but at that time, uh, in 2006 anyway, and that's where most of the videos are, uh, I wasn't on YouTube uh, until the end, until the end of that year when I, figured, when I found out, oh, you can... Um, use a different email account to get a get a new account going and that's what I did now this here this time frame right here you can tell June uh, 5th or June 3rd this is about around the time I think it was about June 2nd I think actually yeah I think it was on June 2nd June 3rd when I first got the Sally plush which I still have I still have the Sally plush and everything but it was around this time frame right here uh, that I ended up uh, getting her because you know you know people were saying well check on eBay you might find it and I found one on there and I saw how many days it was and each day I kept you know just each day each night I kept going and going and going and then finally you know I think I got recent I was re I think I had gotten recently paid by my job uh, which was the Walmart in Lawrence Kansas and I ended up so almost almost at the last second, almost the last minute, last second, if you will, I ended up winning her. I put in the put in the highest bid, ended up winning her, and that's how I got her. So God was on my side that day. It's like, hey, get it. And then right here, this is the um, this is basically around the time they released uh, the uh, the uh, or getting ready to release. Oh, sorry, my finger hit the mic there. Uh, they were getting to release my thumb hit the mic again there too uh, they were getting to release the, the series uh, completely on DVD via Shell Factory and um, 
And here's we pop it up here. This was well actually this is the second picture I took. Let me bring up this one. Yeah, this is the first picture I took. This is when they started getting uh, the DVDs in at my job. So you can see there's one, two, three, four. This is the uh, one of the original boxes they came in. And this is like a day before they were officially distributed and released um, onto, um, you know, well, not distributed and released, but distributed and released to be sold is what I'm trying to say. And then this is when I got it and everything. And that was what the last live stream was. You know, I was showing, you know, basically what this page was about, the 15, 15 to 16 years I had of it. Uh, but also kind of looking back and showing you exactly when I got it. This is when I did get it. This is the day I got it. I got it uh, during a midnight release because the Walmart I was at was uh, uh, was 24 hours, 24-7. So I was able to... Uh, get this at midnight when it came out. That was the one that perks about working at a 24-7 Walmart is you got a midnight release. So that was pretty cool. And then that's how they were uh, displayed. This is basically how they were sold. So, so that's the initial price right there. And then there it is right there amongst uh, Thomas the Tank Engine set and Care Bears. We had a bunch of Sonic right there. And then this here. Um, these are both new ones. I think this is the one I first got, and then this was the second one I got. I got a variety of them, and some I sent out to various people. Like, I think I sent one or two to my, my family in California. Like, I sent one to my, my oldest nephew. Um, if you will, for his, uh, for his birthday. I sent one to, I think, my, my, uh, cousin who's two years older than me. And then I sent one to, um, I think I sent one to Jay Foxfire, because she had done some stuff for me. As well as I sent one to Raphael LXD, oh, Raphael XD, when, because she had helped me out with the, uh, the VCDs of the, of the, of the show. Um, if you will. So that was, so I did, so I, bought a lot of them and sent a couple of them to, like I said, family and all that to, to have, the family and friends uh, to have. So, yeah. It's a great look into the past, um, if you will. It's a great look into the past. It, and, again, it's, you know, it's it's hard to believe as I check something here real quickly. I do apologize for a second. Hold on. I do apologize for all that, but yeah, that, that's basically um, it's base. That's basically. Um, how far the photo bucket goes, even to the point that I have images on there when I first got the Satyam box set, and not just before I got it, but when it was first, you know, delivered to the store to be put on the shelves for retail. So, I, yeah, I just wanted to, yeah, so yeah, I, I, what I did is, I did that live stream, and then I took that 
well, I was talking about the set and box set, and then I took the um, other part where I was talking about the salad plush, and I kind of uh, clipped them, if you will. I went to excuse me, I went to uh, Cyber Power Director, which I'll show you right here. If it pops up, hopefully no interruptions. But yeah, I used this right here, Cyber Power Director uh, 14. I don't have 365 yet, but uh, I'm sure people will tell me to get that. But I used Cyber Power Director to, excuse me, essentially, uh, essentially, you know, um, basically uh, clip those two parts out of the... Um, you know, out of the equation, if you will, clip them out of the equation and make them their own video. Kind of like some of the people I follow here on YouTube do, like John Campia, who's currently doing a low-key live stream, low-key pre-game live stream right now, as well as, um, you know, Alex Six, just Alex. You know, they would take little parts out of the videos that they felt could be their own individual videos, so that instead of looking through the entire video, those entire live stream, if you will, for that specific part, you know, you would have it right there. You know, so that's what I did um, with it. You know, that's what I did. And, um, yeah, basically, like I said, that, those images, those, those dates right there, that is exactly when all that went down. So, um, so yeah, like I said, having the photo bucket was really cool to see. And it really got me in the mood, too, because... You know, I decided to um, relink because it's already here on my channel. But I decided to relink um, my uh, Doomsday Project um, fan-made uh, movie that I did years ago that I finally put up on YouTube around September, October of last year. Uh, I decided to relink it onto the various Sonic pages that you saw me link this live stream to, um, mainly for the fact that. Um, I wanted to, I just wanted to share it with them and everything. I just got in the mood to do that. And then, of course, one of the other Sonic Static M things that I just recently uh, uploaded was something that I did in two parts back in 2011. And I think that was around the time where I, I think I had gotten a copyright strike for about 60 days or something. I can't remember. And, you know, when you get those strikes or something like that, it limits you. So either you can't do live streams or you can't do full, you know, full-fledged, unlimited, uh, unlimited on time, that is, uh, videos. You can't do those or upload those to YouTube, so you have to kind of divide it and then put a playlist together. And what I did is I downloaded those two parts of my fan-sash-shoot commentary that I did in 2011. And um, I uploaded that here to... to well, what what I did is I, like I said, I downloaded the clips, I downloaded the two parts, pieced them together using the Cyber Power Director, and um, then uploaded it here to YouTube. And what's crazy about it is, you would think, hey, it's your voice, you're commentating, but yet they still copyright it. Um, it's the same thing that I think when I did a video using footage from SATIM, but it was like, you know, on the left of me in like a little box. Basically, that shows you that it doesn't matter how you use the footage. Your video is still going to get claimed, you know, one way or another. The the silver lining is at least your video is still playable. You just won't make money off it. And I've come to the conclusion, basically, that, you know, as I've said before, if you're, if you're not the person 
that uh, makes you know the video if you're not the person that um, basically you know like say if you're not the person that you know makes the video or not makes the video but makes that copyrighted um, stuff that you're using um, if you will then you don't have the right to uh, utilize it you don't um, as much as that you know irrit as much as that irritates a lot of people you know uh, these uh, studios you know record labels um, you know um, um, these studios these record labels these TV networks you know these publishers game publishers they have the right they have all the right to, uh, to say that or to do that because you know they're the ones that put in the hard work in the effort uh, not you all you're doing is saying hey I'm gonna use that music or I'm gonna use that footage for whatever project even if it's in fair use you know even you know even though you believe that it's in fair use you know uh, they're, they're gonna have the right to say yeah it's in fair use and we agree on that but guess what we're the ones that put all hard work into it so you're gonna not be so you're not gonna be the ones that benefit from you know from it financially we are so yeah it's kind of you know so it's kind of a uh, strange to um, as I lower that a little bit <laughs> I have uh, my security I have my uh, Xfinity security app on and so I'm viewing the living room right now because that kind of helps me out if you know what I'm talking about but yeah basically it's like I was saying it's kind of funny that you know you do a fan commentary like find the computer room did a commentary at one point it's kind of funny that in various others have as well, but it's kind of funny that you do a commentary, and yet uh, you can't make uh, money off it because even though it's your voice that's over the footage, it's the footage you're using, which is kind of weird, but it's understandable. It really is. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like what I did with Secret Adventures. So um, basically, somebody had uploaded. Uh, you know the animated segments to the Secret Adventure series, and I basically downloaded that. You know, edited out the beginning, the intro, and the outro, the intro and the outro, if you will, that uh, that, that person had put on there before the uh, animated segments began. And even though you would think that since Star Tunes is no longer in business, there wouldn't be no issue, right? Well, apparently there's a musical issue, but you know it's claimed by you know, somebody that's by the name of Who Done It Music or something like that. Ad revenue third party Who Done It Music, Who Done That Music or something like that. I, I don't know. Hopefully, it might get straightened out because it sounds because that label sounds a little suspicious, if you know what I mean. But anyway, uh, getting back on point. Um, but yeah, getting back on point here. Uh, basically, you know, I did. I uploaded a full uncut you know, pieced together um, version of the fan shoot I did back in 2011. And what my fan slash shoot was, or my f fan shoot commentary was, uh, for Doomsday, for Doomsday Project, just that episode, was me just giving my thoughts, you know, just shooting straight on, you know, just saying whatever came to mind at that time uh, on the episode, how it came to be, you know, where, you know, why this was happening and everything. So I, I felt... I felt just, you know, doing it that way was more natural. 
um, if you will. And I think a lot of people would agree that if you just let yourself, if you just let you be you, that it'll be easier to to do a lot of the uh, to do these kind of uh, commentaries or whatever. So uh, that's what I did. That's what I did. Uh, those are the two Sonic-related uploads that I did recently. New, uh, well, the Doomsday one was back in September, but the Sonic one recently, kind of new, kind of remastered, full cut, full uncut piece together. Uh, the newest one was the full uncut version of my fan shoot, if you will. And then, of course, I uploaded a lot of, um, re-uploaded a lot of fan vids that I did back in the day, back in 2006, 2005. You know, you know, did some. Recently, as 2007, when I was out here, and even before then. And what's funny is I understand that a lot of the music that I utilized in those uh, videos, or in those fan vids, if you will, like, for example, let's see, um, let's see what which ones I have. Like, like, um, let's see, I'm looking through it right now. Like, never gonna let you go. Step up, right now. My time is now. Um, live and learn. This fire burns. When you believe, healing rain. I made it. You know, stronger. Say the word, independent woman. You are not alone. The way you make me feel. Dreams to dream. Um, I just can't stop loving you. I didn't know my own strength. I mean, I know that the, those are all songs that will uh will be utilized by a lot of people and that even though people utilize them um that you know the videos will still be playable but they just won't make money off them so i understand that but there was one that i put up here which you know just like with a video that's premiering tomorrow more of a 4k upgraded version of the video um i used the song fighter which is by candle fuse i think and I was like, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, that's going to get copyrighted, you know, the song at least. It wasn't copyrighted. It was not copyrighted. And neither was uh, the footage that I was using, which is kind of weird, right? You know, the Sonic Sadiam fan bid that I said was upgraded to 4K done in 2007. You know, it's like, it, it, it wasn't, you know, copyrighted for the footage. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? And my thought process on it, and the same with uh, Goodbye My Lover, which is something I downloaded from the photo page, photo bucket page, uh, which was a Sonic and Sally fan vid I did at the time. I even said this in the description that was, you know, I had done that at the time when in the comics um, they had uh, broken Sonic and Sally up, and I just decided to go that route because I knew what the message of the song was giving was, you know, goodbye for now, but we will be back together. Oh, and, and uh, just to correct me, correct myself, I should say, on the two things I uploaded, you know, the Sonic ZDM Doomsday Project fan shoot commentary, full and uncut, that's kind of a new thing I put up there, because it's just the two parts that I uploaded back in 2011, pieced together as one. Uh, but I also put uh, Bunny Robot Kicking Wild Robian Butt from Archie Sonic Issue 119. It's It's basically when, you know, Bunny gets captured and she's about to be taken out or at least you know the the capture uh the capturers if you are trying to take her out with these wild i think mindless um romians and um 
you know, she just kicks a lot of butt in that one and just fights her way out. And then, of course, like I said, the two excerpts, uh, the two clips, I should say, the two exception, exception, exception clip, uh, clips for my live stream on the photo bucket page. Uh, when I was talking about photo bucket page, anyway. But yeah, those. But yeah, basically, it's kind of strange because, you know. Goodbye, My Lover is on that sharing monetization to where you could share it. Or where the monetization, I should say, is being shared by you and whoever is claiming it. But the final one, which is like, it's really surprising that, you know, that's not been copyrighted yet. Not saying it won't be, but it's still kind of crazy because you would think, well, you're using SATIM clips. But I think what's going on is that the clips I used back then when I did that song... And it was done in 2007. I think that was before... Um, I think that was around... Yeah, it was done in 2007. I think that was before around the time I got the um, the box set officially. But I still utilized the VCDs that Rafaela XD, who went by the, the website name of Kafu. It's K-A-I-F-F-U. And uh, I think it's because she put her website's name on the bottom, if you will. That I think he kind of helps out a little bit, as well as the intro of one, uh, the intro for the fighter fan vid has retro junk on the, the bottom as well. So it kind of makes you wonder if a lot of things come into play that's preventing, you know, maybe Wild Brain from doing the copyright. Not saying they won't, but still, it's really interesting to to see that. And and I think a lot of people write about this when they when they bring it up on uh, in the in the videos that uh, YouTube. Yeah, uh, you know, no offense, but they, along with any other video uploading site like Dailymotion or Vimo or BitChute or even Facebook and Twitter themselves, they really need to work on their algorithms and the copyright deals because, you know, they they got to basically work it out to where it's like, okay, you know, if you're copywriting this, then what's going on here and stuff like that. But, yeah, you know, it's... <laughs> But yeah, those are some of the things I recently did. And there's going to be more to come. Like I said in one video, there will be more to come. Uh, due to the fact that I have to give you content somehow. Besides just the premieres I set into motion weeks ago. Um, but besides that, getting back more into the Sonic discussions. You know, I was talking about, you know, one of the new videos I put up yesterday. Which was, you know, Bunny kicking some wild Robian butt, I should say. Bunny Robot kicking some wild Robian butt. Um... What's interesting is one of the people I linked this live stream to, Josh Sonic, on Twitter. Um, he, you know, he actually did something. He actually started something called Steve Stephen Butler Appreciation Week. And the reason he said that is because when you look at what Stephen Butler did in the Archie Sonic comics at the time, it's truly amazing. I mean, he basically. He basically matured, from his designs, if you will, he basically matured the characters from a physical standpoint. He matured them from a physical standpoint and made them really stand out. And a lot of people felt that him drawing at that time uh, was, you know, that the him drawing at that time was one of the best errors artistically for the comic and dust bunny the uh, with a clip with that little 
where that video of Bunny Robot kicking wild Robian butt comes from is a prime example of that. I mean, I know that, you know, Stephen, you know, sometimes people criticize him for sexualizing Sally and Bunny too much. And true, he did kind of do that. But you know what? If you're going to, you know, try to make this uh, comic not just for young kids, but for all ages, especially those that are growing up with the comic, maturing along with the comic, then, you know, you do what you got to do to you know, go along with that, to evolve with that, and I think that's what Stephen Butler did. And sometimes, depending on who who he was paired with from a um, um, writing standpoint, in a way, despite how you might feel about someone like Penders or someone like Bowlers or even Flynn, because I think he was still around when Flynn, was, when Flynn had started, um, despite how you might feel about each and, each and every one of them, their, their writing, their story writing, really matched up very well with the artistic style that Stephen had given. It was truly, it's truly like, you know, the, it was truly the perfect mesh, if you will, of artistic talent and writing talent, like I said, depending on, you know, how you feel about the writers. I mean, going back to the video of Bunny Kicking Rope, kicking the wild robian butt thing that i put up yesterday that was written by carl bowlers that's Carl with a k by the way carl bowlers and steven was the one that had uh basically steven's the one that had basically did the art work for it and it just turned out really well because one thing i seem to notice and i don't know if this was carl's idea or this was ken's idea at the time or somebody's I, I don't really know who, but at this time, and it and it wasn't just you know it wasn't just um, you know it wasn't just um, let's say you know Stephen Butler artistically as well things like it was people like Jay Axer as well. But again, I don't know if it was Carl Bowlers or Ken Penders or maybe both. I can't remember. But this, you know, Bunny's moment here, Bunny's moment here um, in in Dust Bunny, if you will, to me was, uh, in fact, let me see if I can bring it up for you guys without any stream interruptions. You know, let me see if I can bring it up with any stream interruptions as I lower the volume a little bit. Oops, I didn't want to put it up, I wanted to lower it. Oh, oh, there we go. But again, um... Let's see, uh, let me see, the chart, oh yeah. Here we go. Sorry about that. <laughs> Let's see if it's in here somewhere. Again, I do apologize for any stream interruptions.
No, hold on. Let me do this. So I know it's in here somewhere. See, this is what he's talking. I think this was Stephen Butler here as well. So, see, this is Stephen Butler Appreciation Week, and, and this is what he's talking about. Because look how he designed some of the characters, good and bad. It was really, like I said, he he matured the comic up, is what he did. He he matured the comic up in a big big way and this is all the way back I think it pops up here all the way back I think in the 70s issue 70s if you will and then this was like yeah this is like around the issue 70s and then this is you know in the Mechaseli arc and everything so Mechaseli arc now here's what I'm talking about when I say the one critique he would get is he would sexualize uh, the characters, you know, look at Sally and then kind of look at Bunny, um, if you will. And then his Bunny right here. But as I was saying, I think it was around this time, whether it was Axer or Butler, whoever was doing uh, the artwork, it seemed around this time that Cole Bowler's and or Kim Penders of both were focusing on Bunny. They were trying to make her into a badass, um, if you will, like a solo badass. Like maybe they were planning down the line because, you know, Knuckles had gotten a spin-off comic around that time. I think it was coming to a close, but still the still they saw that hey, he had a spin off. Sally had a four a three what was a three part miniseries, Tales had a miniseries. My thought process and maybe I'm wrong about this, but my thought process is Maybe they were planning to give Bunny a solo series, maybe even a miniseries of her own, which is why they were giving giving her all these moments. You know, that's why they were giving her all these moments, which is um, truly, truly amazing. I mean, when I first saw these, to be honest with you, I was just blown away. I was like, I was like, yeah, I, I like this. I like this side of Bunny. You know, it's just kicking some booty, if you know what I mean. So, but yeah, that's one of the moments he gave her. And then I think, I think he has it in his somewhere. Let me see if I can find it. Again, hopefully with no interruptions. Let's see. Let's see if I can find it here. Yeah, here it is. This is bait. This is what. This is where that um, clip I did for the um, bunny kicking Roby and butt comes from. This is the um, the story right here. So I can clip it up here real quickly without any interruptions. As you can see, it's called Dust Bunny, and the story was done by Carl Bowlers, penciler Steve Butler, and all that. So pretty cool. But yeah, they would. Again, this was around the time. 
This is around the time I think they were trying to uh, make her into her own like character, like get ready to spin her off into her own uh, series, if you will, as you can tell. And this right here, Dust Bunny, is like one of those moments, along with what I showed you with her blowing up that, that spacecraft, just punching holes into it uh, to crash into the ocean. That, along with this, I think was one of the moments, or the signifying moments, in my opinion, to where they wanted Bunny to, you know, break out on her own. Like, they wanted to uh, go in the direction they had done with Sally, they had done with Tails, heck, they had done in a way with Knuckles, and and that's give her her own like mini series maybe her own maybe spin off comic or something like that. Mostly I would I would mostly say maybe mini series, you know, just based on how they were portraying her here. But excuse me, but again that's just an opinion. You know that's just an opinion. But um, yeah, you know the way they were portraying her here, and in that, and then like I said as we scroll back up. Again, sorry for any interruptions we may get. But as I scroll back up here, find find it again. Let me see. Yeah, like right here. This moment right here. Basic. Oops, hit the wrong thing. Uh, basically, this here. Again, like what I just showed you from Dust Bunny, is one of the prime examples, in my opinion, of I think they wanted her to, they wanted to try to spin her off on her own, you know, just by the fact that you see how they positioned her, or they kind of drew it in and kind of basically wrote uh, this scene for her. It's like, yeah, they wanted her to, you know, to be her own thing, or kind of break out on her own. And I think maybe what this was is we see see and see her right there and then see the end result uh, and everything and then see her just standing over or fl or flying over it and everything I think I think the end result of this I think the reason for this uh, in my opinion was they saw what was going on with Rogue at the time um, and, and I think this was uh, let me I think because this was around um, yeah, they said mid two thousand to early two thousand six. So, um, uh, so anyway, it was around this time. I know one nineteen came out way after this. So, well, not way after this, but before this. So this was like around what? What was it? Like one thirty something. I think it was 130-something or, or something like that. Let me let me see when uh, a Sonic 119 came out. And again, I do apologize for any um, interruptions. 119 came out in January 2003. So... This, that was at the height of the whole um, X-Men craze, you know, with the live-action movies and the revive and kind of the uh, revived interest in the '90s cartoon, as well as the um, the new X-Men Evolution show at the time. You know, a lot of people were gaining interest in X-Men, and I think 
and I think the focus on Rogue uh, in Evolution, in X-Men Evolution, as well as, like I said, the re-interest in the 90s animated series and people seeing her there, as well as her portrayal in the comics, um, as well as as her getting her own solo comic for a while, which I have several issues of. I think, in my opinion, that that is what motivated Carl Bowlers. That's what motivated Ken Penders. That's what motivated them, along with the artistic artwork of a Jay Axer or a Stephen Butler, to focus on Bunny because they because when you look at Bunny's outfit not just you know in this image here but in what I just showed you it's very reminiscing except for the hat very reminiscing in a sense to um to Rogue's to Rogue's initial outfit you know she would have the leather outfit leather jacket over her bodysuit and everything so very reminiscing of that the only difference was Rogue didn't have a gun on her didn't have a you know or, um, what is it, a, a gun hol- holster uh, around her waist or a gun on her side or even a hat. But still, it's like, you know, to me, that was like the ultimate... To me, that was like the ultimate um, in like acknowledgement of, okay, if X-Men can do it, we can do it. Because one of the things people would do is they would compare Bunny against Rogue. Like, basically, there was a lot of similarities with certain characters in the Freedom Fighters to the X-Men, sometimes. You know, and Bunny was, like, one of those exceptions. And I think more so in the comics than in the Saturday morning cartoon. Because, you know, even though in the Saturday morning cartoon, uh, she got to shine a lot, um, you know, as a character, you know, as best as she could, showing off her strength and all that, uh, her cybernetics... The comics is where they really took off with her, and I and again it seemed to be around the time after we got out of, you know, the 100 issues and all that, and Stephen Butler came on board, and Carl Bowlers and Ken Penders and even Ian Flynn uh, later on. It's like, depending on the story, it was the perfect mesh for them. Like Ian Flynn did 222, that was the perfect mesh, if you will, of our artistic artwork. I was like showing, hey, this, this comic has matured uh, to the point in this relationship between both Sonic and Sally has matured that we need to give it the kind of artwork that is, you know, uh, deli- uh, that is suitable for it, in my opinion. So, um, basically, I think, I think that's, that's why, you know, Steve, so basically, you know, I think, honestly, that's why Stephen was brought on board to help, you know, when the story was necessary for it, help show the maturity of the characters uh, in that story, or that, you know, you needed the artwork to go along with it. But like I said, with, with Bunny, it was like around that time frame, they were primarily focusing on her being like, almost like, like, like I said, the equivalent of Rogue. I think they were trying to make her the equivalent of Rogue, trying to put her on that same pedestal, you know, if you will. And and, and it got to a point, you know, it got to a point, in my opinion, that I think what, I think basically what really triggered it as well, not just the comparison of making them, making her into their own Rogue, 
But like I said earlier, I think they saw the popularity that she was having, you know, from not just the movies, but from evolution, the re-interest in the 90s cartoon. But also the fact that they noticed, probably by doing some research, that a lot of people, that when they would do a poll, basically, of popular characters, that Rogue was always, like, at the top, like, the very top of the character list, like, at number one, or at least in the top three, or something like that. So they figured, you know what, maybe we can get Bunny in that same position here with the comics. And for a while, I think they, I, I think, honestly, they achieved that. I really do, just by having her be portrayed the way she was. Um, but, of course, later on, they kind of toned it down a little bit, so... Um, that was kind of cool. So that was all right, in my opinion. They kind of toned it down, tried to get it to where everybody had a moment, if you will, or would have the time in the sun. So I was glad that they kind of toned it down uh, from that perspective. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just that moment, just that moment as well. Um, that, not just as well, but there was just that moment, um, if you will, to where. You know, basically, it felt like, you know, they were trying to position her in that, in that high, that high anar, uh, that high anarchy, if you will, a uh, hierarchy, if you will, uh, of characters. Hold on for a sec. I just had to do something. Okay. Like I told you, I may have to. Like I told you in the description, I may have to do that. But yeah, they put her, it, it seemed they were trying to put her in that ha high archy, if you will, of top tier characters in the comic, if not the franchise overall. But there was something else that I think they were trying to do uh, around this time frame. Because you see, you know, Bunny started to get a lot of this momentum, like I said, around uh, the late 100 teen issues, if you will, like 119 and all that, she started to get all this momentum, and it continued on. It continued on for a while, and, um, excuse me, I want to get something to drink here. <sighs> Drinking some Pepsi, like I said earlier, helps me keep going. But like I said, from, from that time on, if you will, even when they started to get into the Zorda bow battle and situation there, and then the Sonic in space, and then coming back, you know, and everything, I think what they were trying to do at this time was they were trying to set up, and, and call me crazy for this, because here's the thing, 121 and 122 was set up to bring Sonic and Sally together, which it it did. 124, uh, one. And was it was it was it, was it 121 and 122? No, no, no. It's 122 and 123. That's what it was. 122 and 123 was set was set up to bring Sonic and Sally back together. Um. And uh, and then of course and then of course 124 is where basically the question was popped. They were engaged, if you will, royal consent, consent, if you will. And then the whole 125 thing, whole 124, the whole, well, yeah, the rest of 124 and the most of 125, the whole thing happened, the whole Sonic and Space thing happened. You know, finding out that, you know, Sonic was not gone a couple of weeks, but a whole year because, you know, where he was a couple of weeks seemingly passed, but on the planet of Mobius, the whole year had passed. Um, anyway, 
uh, long story short, he gets back and then he finds out, you know, after he has his issues uh, with with Sally and everything. Well, before he has his issues with Sally, he finds out that Antoine and Bunny are no more. And it's like, what happened here? And little did he know, or any of us know, until it kind of got revealed later on in one of Ken Pender's, if not, if not one, if not the last story that Ken Pender's did, which was Line of Succession, that we found out that the real Antoine had been replaced. Well, actually, we found this out, like, actually, we found this out five issues later, five or four issues later, um, in 150 and 151. When Sonic got replaced temporarily by e- evil Sonic, who would go on to be Scourge, uh, basically, excuse me there, um, when Sonic got thrown into e- Scourge's universe, you know, and mistaken for evil Sonic, if you will, the Patch there, the evil Antoine, or known as Patch in that universe, we see his thought bubbles, and, he's, and as soon as you see these thought bubbles, you're like, wait a minute. If that's Antoine, then who's in the other universe? And that's and in this whole situation is when you find out that, and then of course later on, I think in 155 and 156, you find out that um, Evil Sonic had tossed Patch into Mobius Prime, into Sonic's world, and taken Antoine in his place. And then he did the same thing with himself because, you know, he just wanted to get laid, apparently, if you know what I mean. You know, he just wanted to get laid. Uh, But, like I said, uh, it was one of those... um, Like I said, it was just one of those moments in the comic for a while to where, you know, we see that they're broken up. And again, we don't know why until about 150, 151, and 155, and 156. But it's between that time frame that I think what they were trying to do, because as I mentioned, they were trying to, in my opinion, uh, set her up as being a top-tier character. I think they were trying to set her up as a potential love interest for Sonic because of the fact that in 150, uh, she you know, makes out with who she thinks is Sonic, but it's actually evil Sonic. And then... Um, even after that, when her and Sonic encounter Adam, which is a AI created by robot, uh, Eggman, Robotnik, if you will, uh, when they encounter a- Adam, and Adam tries to stimulate Bunny because she's half robotic, and Sonic has to convince him, hey, she's not robotic completely, she's flesh and blood as well, which you know, basically doesn't compute with Adam and makes him... Uh, logically realize, oh, you know, that doesn't compute. How can that be? And he, as a result, he releases Bunny. What is the one thing Bunny does? Uh, I'll show you. Let me let me see. I think it's in here. I think it's uh, in here somewhere. Right here. One, oh, what is it? 152. This is off of Divinob, but this is, uh, yeah, 152. <laughs> yeah, what the... It's true. It's 152. This is the issue. And that... And, and this is what she does. And we're going to pull this up. 
And <laughs> yeah, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, well, what, what happened? You're like, well, well, what happened? And, and you can kind of see the re. And, and then here, somebody kind of brings out. I think it's Wake Angel twenty, uh, Wake Angel two thousand one. So you kind of see it right there. And then, then somebody says here, according to a behind-the-scenes deal, you know, Sonic was supposed to look surprised, but due to the artist's error, shows him uh, reciprocating. So, so yeah, basically, so basically, long story short, I I think this is what they wanted to do. They wanted to... You know, because they, like I said, they had positioned Bunny in such a way that they wanted to make her a potential love interest for Sonic. And, you know, thankfully when, you know, thankfully when, um, and, and I think that, I think that idea was when, you know, and, and, um, You know, and it basically, and again, I do apologize for any stream interruptions and all that. Yeah, this is how uh, Sonic right here, I think if we can pull this up, is able to convince Adam that, hey, she's not completely, or, you know, and all that, so, and then you get this moment right here, like I said, which, again, I think, honestly, and this was 152, I think this was, was when uh, Ken was around, or they were going back and forth still, so, let me just uh, favor this, there we go. But again, I think honestly, when Carl Bowles was working on this, and that might have been one of the stories that Carl, um, that Carl um, was was working on it. I think I'm not really sure. Let me let me see something. Hold on. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see here. 
Yeah, well, I think basically they're like, and these are all, uh, and so Ken Penders was the one behind this. So Penders was the one that wrote this uh, story. Um, sorry for the silence, I was just reading it myself. Uh, but basically, you know, he was supposed to act surprised, but I think in my opinion, he said there was a misconception, but I think in my opinion, uh, the artist was going off of maybe what Carl Bowlers had originally planned to do, if not both. Um, but again, going back to what I was saying, and I know I'm dragging on with this a bit, I do apologize. But I think, honestly, they were planning to make Bunny that top-tier character, but at the same time, they were probably setting up, you know, until I think Ken came, on bo- came back full-time on board. They were trying to set up a bunny Sonic relationship. That's what I think they were trying to do because you had bu- you had Sonic with uh, Sally. That was pretty much the whole, that was pretty much the thing there. Uh, you had Sonic with Fiona, and you kind of teased a little bit that maybe Sonic would be with Amy, maybe maybe not. So the most natural next step, you know, if you take Amy aside, put her aside, if you will, the next natural step would be uh, Bunny Rabot, which I think they were trying to build towards um, you know, in the end. I I think that's what they were trying to build towards in the end was maybe a Bunny-Sonic relationship. And I, again, you know, Ken Pender says, you know, and this backs up what that one person said on DeviantArt, uh, Pender basically said this was a misconception by the artist that Sonic was supposed to look surprised, like, what the heck, you know? Because he still had, you know, because at the time in story he was dating Fiona because him and Sally were broken up. Um, so, you know, he would be surprised by this. But I think what the artist, but honestly, this is just my opinion. I think the artist intentionally did it that way. It wasn't no misconception. I think they intentionally did it that way based off, you know, what uh, basically. Um, uh, Carl Bowlers, in my opinion, not saying this is true, but from what I can tell, Carl Bowlers wanted to do, and I think Ken Penders probably thought about it as well until he realized, nope, I'm not going to do that. You know, it doesn't make sense. You know, Bunny, you know, you know, Bunny should be with Antoine and all that. That's what was penciled in originally, so we're going to go with that. And that's the one thing about Ken Penders, you know, you got to give him credit. You know, credit for it. At least he realized, wait a minute, this don't make sense. Why would you break off a relationship? And I do apologize for any um, stream interruptions right now, but that's the entire... But Ken, basically, you know, give him credit. You know, he's like, why would you want to break off this relationship, you know, due to a mis, you know, misunderstanding? It doesn't, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work that way. You know, if you know what I mean. And that's why, he, you know, he came on board. Excuse me. And kind of corrected uh, what was going on. He kind of he basically corrected course uh, when it came to uh, the direction Carl Bowlers had taken the book, um, if you will, because this is also the same Carl Bowlers along with Ken Penders at times that basically put these characters in high school. And I think what Carl wanted to do, and this is why, again, depending on how you view it, uh, Stephen Butler's. Um, art always meshed very well, whoever was doing the artwork always ve- meshed very well, was he was trying to, mat- like Stephen Butler's artwork and others' artwork at times, 
I think what Boulders was trying to do, and even Pender tried to do this, and Flynn tried to do this later on, I think in their own separate ways, even though they may not admit this, they were trying to grow the comic up along with the audience. Like, they knew the audience was getting older, and they may not be interested in something like this. So they probably said, you know what, we need to... Um, we need to keep the comic interesting. We need to keep the eyes on the comic. So how do we do that? Oh, I know. Let's mature the characters. Let's put them in more mature setting. Let's put them in more, you know, mature settings. Let's give them a more mature storylines. And, oh, let's make the artwork look a little bit more mature. And I think that's why, you know, it all worked out kind of in a unique, uh, <laughs> you know, a unique kind of way, if you will, for for the care, you know, for for the comic for the time. So, yeah, it was. So yeah, it was really. In, so again, though, I know I kind of, I know I kind of sounded like I rambled it there for a bit. I do apologize, but yeah, it kind of like. It's like one of those moments that, when you go back and look on look at it. When you go back and look at it, it's just one of those moments in the time of the comics run during with Archie Comics. That you're like, you have to really think to yourself, and you look at all these moments, you're like, did they really try to make Bunny and Sonic an item? It, it made you, it made you wonder. And I think, again, my opinion, don't, don't, can't say this is true or not, or can't say this is fact or not. But in my opinion, I think honestly, Carl Boulders wanted to do that. I really do. I mean, you take a look at that. You, you take a look. I should say, like. Not even an issue to in uh, the high school era, if you will, when they were going into high school. What did Carl Bowlers do? What did Carl Bowlers write into the script? And whoever was doing the artwork at the time, I think it might have been Steven um, as well, kind of helping out with more of an anime-like in, you know, look to it. What did, who, did, um, who did Carl have paired off with Sonic to go scout Robotropolis because he felt something was up? bunny so you know so why you know you know so but so but basically the question is why do that why pair him off with bunny why not just you know keep bunny out of the equation and have sonic sneak off on his own why not why do that and in my opinion my opinion if you will again i think it's because he wanted to put those two together but what happened is uh, my Hold on for a sec. Hold on for a sec. Sorry about that. But like I said, you know, I, I think that's what Carl Bowlers wanted to do. Again, I could be wrong, but it seemed that you look at the fact that one of the first people he had Sonic team up with, or pair off with, um, at, you know, right at the beginning of the high school run, if you will, in the books, is Bunny. You know, 
there's a lot of focus put onto Bunny um, prior to the Zorda um, uh, storyline, especially with Dust Bunny. And then you see how she's focused on the spotlight thrown on her a um, little later on, like around, what was it, 133, 132, if you will. And, and then, of course, with 152, you know, you got to think that Carl Bowles wanted something to happen. And I think the person that did the artwork in 152 was going off maybe the notes that Carl Bowles had had given them at one point before Ken came back. You know, and here's the thing. He could have easily corrected this, digitally or not. He could have easily corrected this, but he didn't. He didn't correct this because I think he was still going off of what Carl Bowlers um, had initially had a, had you know set out to do. And again, I think what happened is Ken Penders came back and he's like, this don't make sense. You know, why would you uh, break these characters up? You know, why would you break them up and everything? So, and I just got a notification from, uh, from Frank Hill. I do apologize for that. Ow. <laughs> Need to lower the volume on my thing here. There we go. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I think that's what Carl Bullers had planned, in my opinion. My opinion. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but my opinion, I think that's what he had planned. And that basically got shelved when Ken Penders came back. Not saying Penders probably wasn't on board with it, um, mind you. Not saying Penders wasn't on board with it. But I, I think, honestly... You know, Penders probably thought that, didn't, like I said earlier, probably thought it didn't make sense that you would end this relationship that at this time, at this time, had been over a hundred issue, issues in existence. It didn't make sense, I think, to him that you would end this relationship due to a mis, a mix-up. So, or or whatever, a changing character's attitude because, you know, what happened over a year without Sonic being there and things just going you know, this way or that way, because initially the idea was Antoine and Bunny were going to break up because Antoine had a change in attitude. And it's like, it's like the year that Sonic was gone, it's like everything just went right down the hill, you know. And I think Penders was like, nope, that ain't going to work with me. I'm not going to deal with that. That doesn't make sense. You know, Antoine is, you know, Antoine is, you know, not the kind of person that would do that. And, you know, when he came back and he did uh, the stories that were there, um, if you will, he went along with it until he got to his final issue where it would be the line of succession, and that's when the reveal would be made. So, and that pretty much, I think, when he did line of succession, being, you know, Kim Penders, that is, I, th I think when he did line of succession, he pretty much uh, in my opinion killed any of the ideas that Carl Bolas had to go that route if he wanted to <coughs> excuse me but uh, speaking of um, 
over a sec. Um, but basically, what was, what was I trying to say? Oh yeah. Uh, but basically, like, okay, I just just lost my train of thought there because I got distracted for a moment. Um, yeah, like I said, when Ken Penders came on board or came back on board and you know did what he did, I think when you got to line succession, that's when any ideas were pretty much. That Carl wanted to go through with were in shelved indefinitely. They were killed off, if you will. Um, but yeah, I know now. I know, like I said, I know, like I said earlier, I know I've been rambling on this for a while, so I do apologize. But uh, you know, this is just something when you really think about it, especially with the fact that when you go to the Save the Freedom Fighters Facebook page, oh my God, you know, Bunny's been getting a lot of love lately. She really has, not just you know from what I've shared video-wise, but, you know, from, you know, from what other people have, um, uh, from, you know, from what other people have shared as well, artistically and everything. Um, my, hold on for a sec. So yeah, just to close up this before it gets a little too long, because I know some of you are going to think, oh, he's dragging on too long. Shut this guy up, you know. Um, but yeah, to me, I think when you when you really look at it as a whole from from 119 and even way before that with like 88, 89, and then like I said, 119 and all the way up to about 152, if you will, and in between there with the 130s and everything, and in the images I showed you earlier, I think I think it's no I think it's no doubt in my opinion. You know, I don't think it's any doubt in my opinion. Um that he um uh, that he basically or that they basically wanted to make Bunny um into um he wanted to make Bunny you know, uh, into this next big uh, thing in the comic, basically this third tier, second tier character in the comic, because of the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, for any of you guys that are joining up now live, um, I think basically they saw the popularity Rogue was getting, and they said, hey, we got some a character that's similar to her, you know, let's make her a big deal, let's, let's you know, let's make her a big deal and and uh, and uh, see what happens and see what how fans receive her. And to say I think fans received her very well would be an understatement. You know, because it was good to see a character getting a lot more love than I think some would say she got in the Saturday M series. Not saying that she didn't, but in this case she did. You know, she did, and you know that's that's saying something. That that is that is saying something, um, if you will. But yeah, it's just just amazing when you look at you look at those uh, these stories, and it is you know, like I said, it just blows your mind. You know that 
you know, this is one of the things that they focused on Bunny about, you know, right here, like right this moment. And then, as we will see a little bit more again. And uh, if we can find it here. Come on, come on, come on. Like right here, again, like these moments right here, th these here to me are like some of the signs that, again, as I mentioned earlier, they wanted to make her a big deal. They really did. Um, and I, I think they I think they did all right. I mean, again, after, you know, after, you know, I think Ken came on board, it kind of died down a little bit because it's like, why would you, again, focus on a character? Why would you, you know, do do you know break up a a couple that he himself had Ken Ken had wrote in a story to be put together himself why would you break them up there was no reason and the story explanation I think that you know Ken got that we all got was I guess to him just didn't make sense but yeah I mean yeah I think I've tracked on about this a lot longer than some people expected but I just I just wanted to get that off my chest right there about you know the fact that you know Bunny you know for a while, had a big moment in the sun, because again, I'm seeing all this love she's getting in the Save the Freedom Fighters fan page on Facebook, and it just reminds me, and then of course, uploading the Say the Word fan vid I did for her, I think it was in the early 2007 or something like that, mid-2007, excuse me, my finger hit the mic there, um, you know, it just got me wanting to talk about, you know, that this specific moment, or this specific time in the comics, because, again, I think it all equivalents to the fact that, you know, Rogue was a big deal. Rogue was being looked at as a big deal in the comics, and in the X-Men comics, as well as in the movies and the shows, and, you know, it's like, I think, you know, that, I think that's, you know, sparked the interest, uh, sparked the motivation that Penders and Bowlers, mostly Bowlers, and somewhat Penders, had, uh, later on to focus on her character uh, more so and try to put her in that upper echelon uh, upper echelon if you will of the characters of the not just the comic but the overall franchise that's just my opinion and I know I sounded like a and I do apologize as we move on here I do apologize for continuously rambling on about that but you know again like I told you this is one of those streams where I gotta kind of be careful if you know what I mean you're doing it as best I can or keeping an eye out for things and stuff. But yeah, I just wanted to get that off my chest. But sticking with the comics as well, going back to the Dust Bunny, I think one of the moments that not just Carl Bowlers, but Penders and even Ian Flynn missed in the comics, even before the soft reboot and retcon that we got in 252, I think one of the most crazy moments that they missed out on is is turning the sandblast freedom the sand city or the, what was it yeah yeah it was the sandblast city uh, freedom fighters rebels if you will into uh, part into members of the Eggman Empire I think they really missed out on that uh, moment but they turned them into dark egg legionnaires or part of the Eggman Empire I think they really missed out on that. And here's why. You see, 
when they got first introduced, I think in what the early sixty issues, if you will, the early sixtieth issues. Um, basically, they were looked at as people that worshipped Sonic because he was a hero. But later on, it's revealed that they're not the typical kind of freedom fighters that they're meant to be. That instead, they're freedom fighters that are out for themselves and not anybody else. And that instead of, you know, doing things the right way, like we like we see with the Wolf Pack and, and the non-hole freedom fighters and all that, they instead decided to do things in a very mercenary kind of way. So, to me, when I look at the Sandblast City, Freedom Fighters, Rebels, if you will, like I said, I look at a moment missed by Ian Flynn, Ken Penders, and Carl Bowlers, to where they could have had these characters denounce their allegiance to the Freedom Fighters and pronounce their allegiance to the Eggman Empire, because it's like, you know, you have this group of Freedom Fighters then unless the world, as we see in 125, 124, um, or mostly 125, when we see the world, unless the world is like completely at stake, most of the time they're only going to be out for themselves. And in my opinion, my opinion, I think, I think, you know, they missed out on a big moment here because, you know, there was various times I would read the, the, the issues of the comic and I'd be like, you know, when is it, this going to happen? When is this moment going to happen? And it seemed that Ian might have been leaning towards that. He might have been leaning towards that. Uh, even before the Mecha Sally situation, he might have been leaning towards that. But we never saw any uh, fruition. We never saw any you know, culmination of that happening. But it seemed like more so out of any of the three writers I just mentioned, he seemed to be the one more, you know, like, focused or more maybe willing to, to do that. Because, you know, Ian, he, he took characters like, you know, Tommy Turtle and a few other characters that only appeared like a few times, and he pff, killed them off because he that was part of his spring cleaning when he came on board. So I thought maybe if anybody's going to do it, it's, you know, either, you know, kill these characters off or make them fully turn against the Freedom Fighters and join the Empire, it would be, it was going to be Ian. And like I said, I think he was probably planning to do that, you know, even before the Mecha Sally situation happened. But, you know, nothing came, nothing came of it. My, my assumption, my assumption is he was probably going to go follow through on it, you know, after the Mecha Sally arc. But because of everything that happened behind the scenes, you know, that got shelved. It got shelved and everything, so he couldn't do anything about it. He couldn't do anything about it. Um, but yeah, they missed out on the opportunity because here's the thing. The closest the closest they got to this the closest they got to this uh, in my opinion was you know, with what was it? The what issue was it? It was um, it was the issue that you know the cover said "Bunny Gone Bad" or has, with that question on it, like "Bunny Gone Bad." Let me let me see here. 
see. It's in here somewhere. It's in here somewhere. Hold on. Trying to trying to find it here. Just, my finger here. I just touched the mic there with my fingers. Here we go. Here it is. This is the one I'm looking for. Uh, 218 so I think the previous one is 217 Yeah, I think it's 218, I think. He had two covers, I think. I'm not really sure. Oh, it wasn't the Bunny Gone... Oh, no, no, no. The Bunny Gone Bad thing was the Iron Dominion arc. That's what it was. But this one here... Um... Like I said, 218 and uh, 219, or 218 and 217, I should say. Um, it's thicker than water. Uh, basically, uh, the basically it's kind of like the roles are reversed to where, you know, it's the it's basically like the Dark Egg Legion in you know that sector led by Bunny's um, uncle. Is kind of the good guys, the reluctant good guy is the good guys, but basically the reluctant bad guys. And the Sandblast Freedom Fighters are the good guys, are the reluctant good guys, but the the bad guys. It's kind of that kind of situation. And to me, two seventeen and two eighteen, uh, two seventeen and two eighteen, in my opinion, was a missed opportunity, if you will, to really kind of be like, you know, plant the seeds, if you will, for for the Sandblast Freedom Fighters, Sandblast City Freedom Fighters to be the new Dark Egg Legion there. But 
we again we saw nothing come to fruition about it but my opinion as I believe in my opinion I could be wrong is that maybe Ian was going to follow through on that uh, later on he was going to follow through on it with the comic um, had the behind the scenes issues not occurred so I think honestly he was going to follow through I really do not saying he was going to but I think when you plant the seeds basically uh, of the fact that you have a dark egg legion if you will that's kind of the that's basically the real freedom fighters of that sector of Mobius and your freedom fighters of that same sector is pretty much the dark egg legion but the roles are reversed I think the seeds were planted in my opinion I think seeds were definitely planted and again I'm surprised they um, they didn't fall through on it I'm kind of surprised by that but uh, you know hopefully hopefully maybe with these fan comics that are happening you know from Archie Sonic Online and and a few others that you know like um, who was the one guy I talked about oh, um, if you will if I can find that one hold on let me see if I can find that I know I did a recommendation video on it. Let me see. Gl yeah, the Sonic Retold by Glitcher. Glitcher Sonic Retold. You know, along with web comics like that, or fan, you know, fan retelling comics like that. You know, maybe, maybe we might get um, a story down the line to where. Um, the freedom to where maybe by their own hands the the Sandblast City Freedom Fighters will go over to the Dark Age Legion side and the Dark Age Legion will be like fine you you can you know have all you want you can be his you know sub bosses all you want we're, we're gonna go and do it the right th we're gonna you know handle things the right way and here's my opinion you know one of the things that RC Sonic Online is doing is they're basically um, doing their own continuation of the comics, you know, right from where 247 left off, as well as where the last issue of Sonic Universe left off uh, in some way, you know, both pre and post uh, soft reboot. And mostly with Sonic Universe, they're doing the pre, you know, the post, you know, soft reboot versions, but the pre-soft reboot, they have a, a story focusing on Bunny, because I think it was hinted at that the Sonic Universe arc that was going to happen, you know, you know, before the whole behind-the-scenes issues went down, the next Sonic Universe arc was going to be about Bunny. I think that's what was going to happen, and since it didn't, um, Archie Sonic Online, I think, decided, okay, We'll, we'll do that. We'll we'll uh, we'll handle it. We'll take care of it. And um, that's what they're doing. And I think maybe once they get that issue done, whatever they do, or at least get to that point, that that'll be the issue. Even from a fan continuation standpoint, that'll be the issue that basically, you know, finally addresses the situation of hey, these Sandblast City Freedom Fighters Rebels are more Eggman Legionnaires than, or Dark Eggman Legionnaires than Freedom Fighters, so let's just have them switch. So, maybe that might happen, maybe it won't, I don't know.
but uh, but we'll see. And I do apologize, guys, for any lags that you um, might be experiencing. I think uh, YouTube's been having issues lately. It says it's not receiving enough video to maintain smooth streaming. So I do apologize for the lags if my voice is kind of distorted and all that. But, yeah, to me, they missed out on a great opportunity because from a story perspective, that would have been tremendous, in my opinion. I mean, you want because, you know, we've seen stories to where, you know, even during the Ken Penders run, we've seen uh, characters. I mean, they even did this in one of the uh, main stories that was served as a flashback about the first group of Freedom Fighters and everything, you know, that tried to oppose Robotnik when, like, Sonic and them were kids. But it turned out that one of their members was a traitor because, you know, he was a snake after all. Well, you know, when I look at that story and then I look at stories like from, you know, previously with, you know, uh, what uh, what was it, Snoop Doggy Dog or whatever the character's name was, a playoff Snoop Dog, if you will, as well as a few others like... Um, what was that guy, uh, character's name that betrayed the wolf pack and tried and tried to frame Hershey for Sally's death and all that? I can't, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, but basically, we'd seen in a lot of the stories, especially written by Ken and even some by Carl, that you know, freedom fighters that felt like, hey, we'll fight in a losing battle. I'd rather be on the winning side. Would defect over to the Eggman Empire, and it, they would always treat it somewhat, even though it wasn't much of a known character that much. Oh, it wasn't. Well, yeah. Even though it wasn't, what I'm trying to say is, even though it wasn't a character that was known as much by fans, uh, they still treated it like a big deal. So, in my opinion, you know, had you taken an entire group that was supposed to be freedom fighters, but they were kind of the more mercenary, like they don't give a blank kind of deal uh, group, and had them defect. I think that would have been a bigger deal because now you would see the influence that Eggman has to where now he, not the original Robotnik, but he, the new Robotnik, if you will, has so much influence that he's able to convert an entire group over to his side. A group that you would expect it to convert to that side anyway uh, from the beginning, if you know what I mean. But... Yeah, to to me, they missed out on an opportunity. They really did. They really, truly missed out on an opportunity. And, you know, again, hopefully somebody can um, work that out in the future. Hopefully they can work that out in the future, uh, if you will, with some of these fan projects uh, down the line. But, can't say any more than that. Really can't. Um... I will say this, speaking of the Archie books, I'm hoping something gets worked out in the end, because I, I don't know how long it took IDW to work something out with um, Nickelodeon and Archie to distribute in collective volumes all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Adventure comics, but I'm hoping they work something out with Archie Comics and Sega to where they can do the same thing for Sonic, because, you know... IDW has proven that you can have your own version of the Turtle comics, various versions, but that doesn't mean you can't make a little money off of the original versions or versions people know better than any, more better than any other version. 
you know, mainly like better than the original uh, Mirage versions. And to me, I think IDW really needs to look into, you know, doing this. You know, they need to look into starting to uh, put, piece together all these collector issues, if you will, all these collector issues in, uh, not collector issues, but collection collection volumes and selling them. Now, I know some people might say, well, IDW financially can't do that. Well, they can do that. They can do that. I, I think, I think honestly, you know, you hear all this hoo-ha about, oh, IDW and DC and Marvel and all them comic book-wise, you know, the, you know, the, that's, they're pretty much on death's door. They're not on death's door, okay? It's just the way it's worded sometimes. You got to realize this about the news. You know, no matter what the situation, they always try to make it look, sound a lot more worse than what it is. You know, and sometimes justifiably so, but most times over-exaggerated. And I think when you look at headlines of, all oh, comic books are dying a slow death, or they're going to be no more soon, that's just over-exaggeration, because what they do is they do this to get you to buy the comics. That's why they do it. They do that to get you to go out and buy the comics, or go online and buy the comics. That's why they say that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean the comics are going to die and all that. It doesn't mean that. It just means they're trying to get you to buy the comic, and that's it. That is completely it, um, if you will. But, but yeah, to me, I think IDW could do this, and I think IDW can afford. Believe it or not, they can work out and af- work out a deal, and they can. T- okay, what I'm trying to say is, I think IDW can work out a deal to where they can get this to happen. They can license out the stories that involve Ken's characters as well as well as, you know, his stories and Carl's stories and anybody else's stories, they can, they have the money to do that. They can work out a deal to make that happen. And I think when it's all said and done, you know, they're going to have bestsellers on the, they will have bestsellers on their hands. I really do. They will have, you know, bestsellers, you know, on their hands. And they need to, think about doing that they need to think about going that route true it's not gonna i mean true i mean mean, okay what i'm trying to say is true you know it's not going to be 16 volumes that 77 or 75 issues or 72 issues i should say or was it 73 issues 73 issues of tmnt adventures was able to get you know give them it's going to be a lot more but still it'll be worth it i mean archie comics (laughs) <laughs> from a trade paperback perspective, gathered all the issues, all the earlier issues in black and white collection editions, big old bo- books, if you will, and sold them, and they sold well. So to me, if IDW can do something similar, you know, put them in, you know, basically remaster them, you know, basically, you know, reprint them and everything, and put them in that same kind of way to where they maybe they could get to 16 volumes, but the bigger collection books... And, you know, give them a price take that's worthy of that. I think they will sell out. I think people will enjoy, will will buy them up. And honestly, it would be a great testing ground for IDW to potentially see how people would feel about the Freedom Fighters being brought into the group or being brought into the comic if they're able to distribute these huge collections down the line of the original Archie run. And again, all they have to do is take a page out of what Archie Comics did and get those massive uh, books and basically 
get enough issues to put together for a massive book, mainly like let's say the first 25 five issues, the first 30 issues if you will, clam them together in one big book and there you go. It will work. I mean think about it. 30, 30, you got 60 out of 2 volumes, another 30 you got 90 out of 3, 120 out of 4, you know 150 out of 5, you know 180 out of 6, 210 out of 7, 240 out of 8, you know, what is it, uh, 270 out of 9, 3, you know, you know, and 9, you know, you would have 9 volumes, and 9, and then what, and then what, uh, what, okay, what was I, what was I saying, oh yeah, I mean, one, I mean, the, you have 30 and one collector, there's uh, six, and then 30 and, like, look at this. I mean, not the, well, visualize this, if you will. First collection volume has 30, second has 30, third has 30, that's 90, fourth has 30, that's 120. 150 out of five volumes, you have the first 150 issues, sorry, my finger hit the mic there, but f uh, you have the first 105 issues in five collector big volumes, big collector volumes, and then 180 in six, um, if you will, and then 210 in volume seven, volume eight would be 240, volume nine could be up to 270, and then volume 10 completes it. So you could do 10 volumes, 10 mega volumes, if you will, collector edition wise of the original Archie run, you know, if I was if you're IDW. IDW can make a lot of money off that and I think they know that. The only thing that's holding them back right now, if you will, is the whole licensing issue with Archie Comics. But I think well not just Archie Comics, but with the people that wrote the books but I think honestly they can get around that. I think, I think honestly they can get around that, and you know they know it. You know I think honestly they can get around that, and they know it. You know I think they can get around that, and they know it. But you know all they have to do, all they have to do is work out a deal. They work out a deal with these guys like penders, bowlers, whoever else, and I think they're good to go. So I think they're good I think that's what they should do. I think that's honestly what they should do. But but yeah, you wanna see how people will react to let's say Sally and Bunny and all of them being in the IDW verse? You know, do that. And I bet you anything you'll get a positive rea if I'm IDW do anything to get a positive reaction. I told you about interruptions.
sorry about that. Don't know if you heard that. I don't think you did. <laughs> but yeah, she's, she's got a little. She's got a little to learn about uh, baseball and still and everything. You know what I'm saying? Still got a lot to learn. Um, but anyway, uh, getting back to what I was saying. Uh, what was I? Oh yeah, IDW can make a lot of money off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that, but like I said, IDW, I think in my opinion, can um, honestly make a lot of money off of, you know, off of the, um, you know, doing collections like that, and if they do it in a big book kind of way, like, you know, Archie did originally when they would put together a lot of the uh, classic ones, like the first several issues, I think up to like, what was it, what did they do up to about one, about to 25 or something? And uh, I know I got them packed away somewhere, i have to look later. I think they did up to 25 or something. I think honestly if they did that, IDW, and they did it in color, you know, kind of like better, like maybe put it in glossy paper or whatever, which a lot of comics do anyway nowadays, um, I think they can sell that well. I think they can sell well, and just going off what I said, they can get 10 volumes out of that, that'd be great. That'd be tremendous. You know, 30 issues each. You can get 10 volumes out of that. It's not a big deal. You can even get 12 volumes, depending on how they work it. They can get, I'll put it this way, they can get 10 to 15 volumes out of that. That will that'll be something. And again, it's a great testing ground to see how fans would react. Um, to the fans... Um, oh, what I'm trying to say is it would be a great testing guide to see how, how they would feel fans would react to seeing the Freedom Fighters um, in the comics or in the IDW verse so I th honestly if I'm IDW I go that route I really do I go that route and if I go that route I guarantee you it's going to sell it will sell and I think they know that and I think Sega not just of Japan, but Sega of America knows that. They know it will sell. They know it will. Um, you know, and speaking of IDW, <laughs> you know what's funny is um, one of the places that I talked about here on YouTube uh, called PAL Comics, you, I'm pretty sure a lot of you know who those they are. One of the newest stories they have, I'm not going to say much about it, but let's just say uh, the person who commissioned it to be done at Kipal Comics, basically wrote themselves into the story, at least the introduction of it. And let's just say they were not thrilled with the metal virus. They were not thrilled with it. And honestly, I don't think anybody can blame them. I mean, I know some people give it some praise and everything and said, hey, this is good, this is great and everything. But you can tell that over time, it started to wear out its welcome. And especially with what with, with, 
with what a lot of us were going through last year and at the tail end this year honestly I, I don't think you can blame anybody for you know at first probably be, being cool with it but then looking back on it and be like yeah maybe that wasn't the best story to continue doing what we were going through so um <laughs> yeah if uh if I'm IDW uh, I know you're going to probably, if I'm IDW, honestly, I take Ian Flynn aside, I take Ivan Stanley aside, and, uh, I basically tell him, yeah, if you ever pull something like this again, we're not going to let you write another Sonic comic for a while, because we don't want this. We don't want another reminder. We don't want anything like this anymore. So... So yeah, uh, this one person, um, let me see if I can, uh, I don't want to, I don't want <laughs> to look it up like that, um, but yeah, somebody, well basically this person, like I said, he just, he just did not like the book, especially with everything that we went through. Again, again, look, the story had its good points here and there, there's nothing wrong with that, but... I think when people look back on it now, it's going to be like, yeah, it was good when it first started, but it dragged on, and boy, did it really hit home during last year. And I th- and I think that's where people are going to be like, okay, Ian, never do something like this again, <laughs> you know, please. So, you know, I think so. Yeah, I think right now fans are kind of glad that Ivan took over for a bit. I mean, excuse me, Ian is coming back. If not, he's back already. But I'm sure a lot of fans of Glad Evan took over because it seems that with her stories, they seem a little bit more better, in a, in a way. They seem a little bit more better. And, and speaking of female writers, <laughs> and I mentioned this before in the video. You know, you go back to the Archie book. <laughs> you know, what's funny is, um, you know, like I said, I mentioned this. I mentioned this in a video. Somebody. Because somebody brought it up to me. It's the fact that when Ian Flynn did the Mecha Sally arc and did what he did to Sally, the ironicness of it is that after they did the post-reboot, soft-reboot, after they did the post-soft-reboot, soft-retcon, you know what happened? A lot of Sally's stories, a lot of Bunny's stories, a lot of Nicole's stories... Amy's, (laughs) Amy's, <laughs> if you will, creams. Basically, a lot of the female-centric stories were written or co-written by someone by a female writer. Mostly, I think, Ilya Baker, Ian's wife, I believe. They were mostly written by a, by her or another female writer. And I think the reason was, according to, and I think going back and, and remembering, trying to remember what the person said, the reason basically this happened was mainly because of the fact that Sally, despite how people felt about her, was looked at as such a, it was looked at as such an iconic um, hero, hero character or heroine character, you know, that she was. You know, looked at in such a way by not just people that grew up in the comic, grew up on Saturday M, but even the newer uh, generation that was getting into the comics and even starting to 
uh, watched that AM for the first time, that when this happened, it upset a lot of people. It, it upset a lot of those kind of people. Even though, you know, some people will say it was for the best, and some people thought it was good, and I'll admit, you know, this arc had times had good moments. What they did to her basically was, you know, from what this person said, was not was not very well, was not very well received. Like, the stories might have been good, but this was not very well received. And they, and the reason they pointed out was mainly because of the fact that she was put through a lot of abuse in this story. You know, it's like, she was, you know, some would say mutilated and rebuilt into what she was. You know, this happened, that happened. It's like, it just did not sit well with them. Even though some would say the stories were good, it just did not sit well. No, what I was trying... Getting back... Let me answer this question right here with that person. What I was trying to say is they could talk to Ken. And Ken being a a guy of business, I think would be willing to talk if they worked out some kind of deal. That's my opinion. Um, but that's what I was trying to say. That you know they could work out some kind of deal with him, you know, call bowlers and anybody else. I think they'd be good. Uh, but anyway, anyway, getting back on on topic, I was saying is that you know a lot of people just they did not like what happened here. They did not care for it. You know, even though the stories. To, to them were good and again like I said there were some moments in there that were good it's you know what happened to the character that you know just didn't really sit very well according to what this person told me and this is why basically I think Glitcher is going the route that he's going if you will you know he's basically retelling you know these same stories these same issues but a more with a more darker tone and with more consequences and I think the direction Glitcher's going is he's going to have Sally get her free will back, you know, in his interpretation. And then she's going to try to take out, if not murder, you know, Dr. Eggman for what he did to her. So what he caused her to do. So, so we'll see. But yeah, this story was done in such a way that a lot of people have either rewritten it to go a different direction or starting to, to or have rewritten it to go in a different direction uh, or bring it to a close and it's yeah it's just one of those moments to where again I know I sound repetitive but a lot of people may have felt that the story was good in some aspects but what happened to the characters along the way mostly with Sally it didn't sit well with people it didn't so, yeah, apparently Ian Flynn deciding, hey, I'm going to roboticize Sally and I'm going to turn her into a mechanized, weaponized robot, if you will, or she-bot, if you will, pretty much backfired on him, <laughs> if you will, pretty much backfired and pretty much led to him having to now just focus on the whole stories instead of, you know, all the stories, if you know what I mean. But speaking of Sally and all of them, um, I think honestly, there's a good chance we're going to see him in Sonic Prime. I really do. You know, I know that some images 
concept art by one of the people working on the series has been shown online. Uh, but I think, honestly, you know, what we saw in those concept arts is not everything. I think, legitimately, we're going to get more down the line. The closer we get to 2022, which I think is going to be the biggest year for Sonic in a while, you know, we get to 2022, I think the more closer we get to it, the more we're going to find out about what this you know, show is going to be about. I mean, we know we're going to get alternate versions of Amy and Tails and Knuckles and all of them and Eggman. That's that's pretty much a given. But what about other characters? You see, we don't know the whole scope just yet. We don't know the whole scope just yet. And I think Zidavia, I think that's her name, Zidavia or Zidaya or Tara Strong, I think could be a good voice for Sally if they bring her in. Or, you know, if they are fortunate enough to get Katsushi, that'd be even better. But I think Tara Strong or Zadavia, the one that's doing uh, Lola Bunny's voice in Space Jam New Legacy, I think would be good options for them to, to go with, in my opinion. I think they would be really good options, uh, in my opinion. But if, again, if they get Katsushi, <laughs> that, that, that right there, to me, is a huge coup, um, if you will. It's a huge coup. In my opinion, if they can get her, it'd be a huge coup. Um, as you know, and as far as you know, Sonic in twenty twenty two goes, and Sonic Prime, um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, just based off the the concept art and everything, I'm looking forward to it because I know that, like I said, that's not everything. That's not everything just yet, and that we're going to get more and more as time goes on. I really do. I think we get a lot more, a lot more, guaranteed. A lot more, and I, as I mentioned, I think as we get closer, it more is going to get. Told you, like I said in the description, there was going to be interruptions. But like, what was that? Oh yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to it because, like I said, that, that concept art—that's not everything. There's going to be a lot more. We're going to get, you know, obviously, like I said, we're going to get alternate versions of Amy. You know, we're going to get alternate versions of of uh, of Tails, but we're going to get and, and of Knuckles and Eggman. But we're going to probably get more. We're going to get alternate versions of Blaze. We're going to get them all. But I also think we're going to get the Freedom Fighters too. In some capacity, we're going to get them. And I think that will open the door. You know, I really think it will open the door for them, you know, down the line. And, you know, along with the movie, and, you know, you know, speaking of, speaking of 2022, I was trying to say, 
I think it's going to be a big, big year because you got that coming. You got the movie coming, which I plan to see in theaters. And who knows what that's going to lead towards because apparently if this movie becomes a huge success like the other one did, you know, you got a third movie probably in the works, if not already in the works. Excuse me. Can you imagine what this movie or how that movie will lead into it? You know. Like I said, can you imagine, you know, how that movie will lead into it, um, if you will? It, yeah, it'll be amazing. And again, we can only guess exactly what the ending of that movie will be like post-credit-wise, because this one, post-credit-wise, mid and post-credit-wise, involved tales and showing us Eggman on another planet, on the Mushroom Planet, getting ready to get, trying to find a way to get back to Earth. So you have to think to yourself, how's this one going to post-credit or mid-credit us? And, you know, I think the post-credit is, we're going to probably see, (laughs) I'd say we're probably going to see Shadow. I really do. Either Metal Sonic or Shadow is going to be, mostly, well, if Metal Sonic is going to be in this one, I would say it's going to be Shadow. It's got to be Shadow and Rouge in the post-credit scene. And I think in the mid-credit scene, We'll probably get Amy, but if they really want to expand on the lore, we're going to get Sally. One of those two. So and I, I, Something just tells me it's going to be one of those two. And to be a wild, to be a wild card, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if they, you know, you know, go and throw Sally in there instead of Amy. You know, because they might, heck, they might have both show up, you know, in the pre post credit scene. Who knows? You know, so, uh, so yeah, so you know it, it, that could happen. You, I, I said at one time during a, a video I did after I got off work, while I was waiting for the bus. I said that one of the things I could picture is Sally coming out of a silhouette in the shadows after talking to Sonic and Tails, and boom, there she is, coming up on the screen. Or I could see both two silhouettes talking to them, both female, and then they both walk out, and one's Amy, and then boom, following her, the other's Sally. So I could see that happening, and I could see, again, a post credit scene being the reveal of maybe Shadow and Rude showing up. Because if you want to expand on this universe, that's one way of doing it. To me, on Ultimate Wild Card, that'd be out of nowhere is if they threw Blaze in there, you know, instead of those that I mentioned, or at least in one of those credit scenes, uh, scenes or post-credit scenes, I could see him throwing Blaze in there instead of, let's say, a Shadow or Rouge or Sally and Amy. I could see that, and that would really surprise people. But we'll see, we'll see. It, it all depends on the success of the second movie, which I think is going to be a success. We'll see what happens. And speaking of 2022, we know we have a new game coming. And a lot of people from Sonic Show to many others are reporting that it's going to be, just based on that little trailer we got, um, that it's going to be known as Sonic Rangers. But the question is, what is Sonic Rangers going to be? Is it going to be a multiplayer game to where 
you along with a lot of other you along with some friends either online or locally uh, play as four different characters on a mission or is it going to be like Sonic Adventure because a lot of people are thinking this might be Sonic Adventure 3 and if it's not and it's similar to let's say Generations or even Sonic Adventure in a sense or Sonic Adventure 2 in a sense um, could we see certain stages having to be played by different characters? Not just, you know, Sonic and classic Sonic, but maybe Sonic and then maybe Tails and then Amy. You know, is that is that something we're going to get? We don't know. Another question is, are we going to see Tangle and Whisper make their console debut in that, you know, in that uh, game? Will we see that? Or will we finally see Sally show up and, you know, have the hash and finally realize that the hashtag Rally for Sally campaign paid off? We don't know. We really don't know. But, you know, right now, just based off what some people are trying to pick off from that little trailer, that little teaser, it almost feels like, you know, to a lot of them, because they all feel... Because his thing, Sonic Show has pointed out a lot of evidence that this is going to be Sonic Rangers, based, based off, you know, the evidence given. And... You know the trailer, the teaser trailer supporting it, but can't we can't say that if that's true or not? All we can say honestly, all we can say honestly is, from what it looks like, this is going to be a game that will be, I would hope, multi-platform, multi-console, if you will, and that being not just you know the PS5 and the Xbox Series X or Series S, but the Xbox One, the PS4 and the Nintendo Switch and the Nintendo Switch OLED, o- OLED, if you will. Hopefully, as well as PC. So hopefully it's a multi-platform game, which I think it will be. And it's not just, you know, you know, released on certain consoles because of the graphic capability. Um, but whatever the case may be, it looks like with the planning for 2022 to culminate with Sonic Prime on Netflix and um, with the movie coming out in theaters is in my opinion I get this feeling that they're planning to make this a big deal like this is going to be like the game the Sonic game that reinvigorates and once again reboots the franchise because a lot of people look at Sonic Adventure as being the as being the game that rebooted the franchise for a modern era you know going into the 2000s and the 21st century this game right here, I have a feeling they're going to try to build up to be the one that takes us to that next level. That basically reinvigorates and reboots the franchise once again for a newer generation. Twenty years after the uh, twenty-two issue, uh, twenty-two years after the first, or twenty-three, is it? Yeah, twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-three uh, years after the first uh, first game that did it. So, I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. I really do. And if I'm wrong, and I do apologize for any uh, lag there, just that a bit of a loading circle right there, that little blue loading circle. But yeah, I cannot I cannot wait to see what this game's going to be about. I know that the closer we get to it, or the closer we get to 2022, just like with you know the movie and just like with Prime, we're going to get more evidence. We're going to get more uh, detail. So we'll see what happens. We'll really... We'll see what happens, but hopefully, hopefully, uh, it's good. 
And again, I've got a feeling that this Sonic Rangers, if that's what it's called, it could be called something else. It could be Sonic Adventure 3 for all we know. Um, you know, I've got a feeling that they're going to build this up as being the next big game that reboots the franchise and reinvigorates interest in the Sonic games more so than ever and basically becomes the new bar that is set for future Sonic titles to try to surpass in the future. So, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's about all I'm going to really say. Uh, oh yeah, one last thing to kind of follow up on a video I did. Uh, <laughs> while, if I'm Wildbrain, who basically owns the distributing rights of the of the Deke, the DIC Deke Entertainment Sonic shows, if I'm them, I get somebody to reorganize how they're structured. I mean, they're doing it all right with Sonic Underground, but... There's, but there's still a lot of, you know, mumble, a lot of mumble jumble going around, a lot of, you know, confusion. So if I'm them, I basically get somebody to try to playlist those episodes for Adventures and Sonic that I am. And and uh, along with it. You know, well, what I'm trying to say is, I would get somebody. I was just a little checking something right there, from that's why I got distracted. Uh, but like I said, if I'm Wild Brain, you know, I'm doing all right with Sonic Underground in a playlist. But the, because all the other episodes are mumble jumbled, if you will, that um, <laughs> scrambled around, if you will, I get somebody to organize, get in there and organize the episodes to where. You do a playlist for Sonic Saturday AM where it's season one and season two, you know, with their own playlist, and then do the same thing with Adventures. And once you do that, along with some of the other shows that they got on their channels, it'll be a lot easier for people to diverse and look through to watch, you know, certain episodes that they want to watch. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, th I think. Yeah, I think that'll I think that would be the best thing for them to do. The same thing with Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, along with you know making a deal with Wild Brain, has uh, the streaming rights to uh, stream all the Sonic shows. So if I'm Paramount, I get somebody to do the same thing there, reorganize and correctly put the episodes for Adventures Underground and Satyam in order. And again, you do that, it'll be a lot easier. But like I but like I said in that video, the one thing that I think they did right uh, for Season 2 of Saturday M is they put Blast of the Past Part 1. The only thing they didn't do was put Part 2 under it. And the reason I say that is I'm still of the belief that Season 2 should have started with Blast of the Past. That's what I think. Season 2 of Sonic Saturday M should have started with Blast of the Past, you know, either as an hour-long special or as a two-parter. Because that basically, even though it takes place in Season 2, it you know, it sets up, uh, basically, it sets up, uh, essentially, what the conflict of, you know, that the Freedom Fighters are currently dealing with. It shows you how it all happened and everything. And in my opinion, when you really think about it, and this will be the last thing I talk about before I <laughs> close this down for a bit, when you really think about it, um, you know, like I said, when you really think about it, uh, basically, 
Hold on, I want to do something here for a second. Like I said, uh, when you think about it, you know, a lot of people theorize exactly, you know, what happened, what blasted the past, especially at the ending. And to me, this is, supports why I think it should be its own. It should have been, a, uh, not its own, but it should have been the premiere. Because of the fact that you have Sonic and Sally going back in time to try to stop Robotnik, and of course they fail in doing so because Sonic's thinking of chili dogs instead of the time and place they need to appear in. And um, basically, you know, it makes you wonder if essentially, you know, from a story perspective, if, you know, because it's alluded to that Rosie, even in the past, knows the grown-up Sally is Sally. There's no denying that. So you have to wonder if maybe, you know, (laughs) everything that happened in that episode, that you know, Robotnik's sudden hatred for Sonic and everything, that mainly, from a theory perspective, the grown-up versions of them went back in time to make that all happen and thus is res- thus resulted in what we see today or what they have to deal with in the continuity in the present time. You know, people theorize that all the time. Like, you know, you know, even with the episode, even when the episode um, aired initially, I'm sure a lot of people theorized that. And then um, even afterwards with the internet and everything, there's a lot of people I'm pretty sure are thinking, wait a minute. So they went to the past, they encountered their young selves. Rosie knew who Sally was or knew who they were. So what the heck's going on? You know, and, you know, and, it, and all of a sudden Robotnik has this hatred for 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 Sonic, you know, where did that, you know, and, well, not suddenly, but you always wonder, you know, in context of Sonic Saturday you're wondering where Robotnik's hatred for Sonic come from, and then you're like, you see this, and you're thinking, did Sonic and Sally go to the past and cause Robotnik to have a hatred for Sonic? You know, stuff like that. It makes, it's kind of like one of those theories of, so, basically the ones, the mysterious people that started the war against Robotnik as freedom fighters that saved the kids, saved, you know, saved the kids, saved the future of, of Mobotropolis and of the planet, you know, was, you know, was actually Sonic and Sally, and they, they remember that they did this, but maybe over time the memories faded because, you know, you know, because of the fact that we noticed later on, and, and, uh, it was a Druid Hedge, when Sonic tries to vouch for Tails that, hey, you know, I used to go on solo adventures when I was 10, and Sally's like, yeah, without permission. You know, it makes you think that, you know, you know, that basically what they did, you know, them remembering what they did faded away and got replaced by these new memories uh, that kind of, I guess you could say is similar to what happens, or at least is alluded to, in the issues of the post-Sonic uh, Soft Red Con reboot. Makes you wonder. It's one of those things that, like, you you think back to the future kind of deal and, like, how certain things in the past can affect the future, either positively or negatively. It's I think it's kind of like what you get here. It's like Sally saving Rosie or telling Rosie, don't leave Knothole and everything, and that, 
you know, that promise is kept by Rosie to where when they go back to the future, Rosie's there and everything. And it's like, you have to wonder, you know, that as kids, if, you know, that the memories of them being saved as kids is of them doing it or those memories of them being saved as kids are the ones that, you know, replace the original memories and, you know, the memories they made of saving themselves get faded out. It's one of those situations that when you look at this episode, it's like, you know, when you look at this episode from both parts and, you know, afterwards you start to appreciate what exactly why people consider it to be a very, very good episode. You know, because of all the theorizing that gets thrown in there, um, if you will. But yeah, Blast of the Past, uh, to me, you know, right now Paramount Plus has the first ep- has the first part of the first episode of Season 2. They really want to correct it. All they have to do is put the second part after it, then go Game Guy, then go Spy, then go Game Guy, Sonic Conversion, No Brainer, Fed Up with Antoine, On Ghostbusted, Void, Odd Couple Rebecca, and then the Doomsday Full Parter, and they're good to go. They're good to go. You start big, you end big, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully they can get somebody, both them and Wild Brain, can get people separately to reorganize, you know, a lot of these episodes that are out of order, that are scrambled about, and, you know, put them in their own individual playlist over time. Um, but that's really all I'm going to say, guys, in this live stream. Just, you know, just, you know, chilling here on this Tuesday talking about some Sonic and all that. Sorry again for the interruptions, um, if you will. I told you in the description it was probably going to happen, and it did. So, um, uh, just, you know, like I said, I just wanted to come on here, do a little bit of, you know, discussion on Sonic, give you my thoughts on it. And uh, that's really about it. So let me know what you, how you guys feel about it. Thank you to those joining me in the live chat. Really really enjoyed you. Thank you for all the likes, guys. Really liked it. Ten likes. That's probably the most I've ever gotten on a live stream in a while. And continue getting those likes up even afterwards. I really, I really would really appreciate it. But, um, yeah. Can't say any more than what I have. So, till next time, guys. Um, again, I can't say any more than what I have. Um, it's just a lot of stuff to talk about. Just, you know, chill. You know, cut the chill you know, cut the breeze, if you will, you know, just talking Sonic and all that, uh, but let me know what your thoughts are, comment down below, I'd love to hear from each and every one of you, like the video, as I said, thank you to those that joined me in the live chat, really appreciate it, and I hope you all have a good day, uh, take care, get vaccinated if you can, if you choose to do so, I know there's some that don't want to, uh, but, and that's their choice, but, you know, just consider it if you want, on for you know for the safety of others maybe but really that's all i'm going to say guys so uh till next time god bless take care um and really that's all i can say and until next time um i am hold on
about that. Like I said, that's an example of interruptions that I told you about. So, again, you know, she's she's learning. It just takes time. You know what I'm saying? It just takes time. Uh, but again, let me know what your thoughts are down below. Comment if you like. I'd love to hear from each and every one of you. Thank you all for joining me in the live chat. And um, like the video, guys. And I...